podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is part of the Anfield Raps Christmas Hamper. What is the Anfield Raps Christmas Hamper, you ask yourself? Well, the Anfield Raps Christmas Hamper is us handing over to you all the shows that we normally put behind the paywall for this week leading up into Christmas so you can get a flavour of what's going on there. That's what we're about with this little thing. We want you to get to listen to all of this, get a flavour of what we're doing, and maybe you'll think about subscribing. You'll be able to click subscribe whenever you want to throughout these shows. Go from there, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. But more than anything else, we very much hope you enjoy the shows. Thanks for listening all year, the Anfield Rap. It's well read, Neil Atkinson, Steve Graves, Jerry Donaldson and Anna Walsh. This is our habitual book show and we want to get one in before Christmas, not least because you might think of some of these things as presents, uh, potentially when you're thrashing around on the last day to see if you can box Christmas off. Um, I'll be doing that, so I'm expecting to buy I Am Zlatan for all of my aunties. Uh, we have I Am Zlatan, uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Tim Parks' A Season with Verona and David Squire's Illustrated History of Football. Uh, I'm intrigued to find out what everyone thinks of everything I loved the Squires uh, but we'll get on to that we're going to talk about Zlatan first though because Zlatan is just endlessly exciting uh, it's what he wants to be and I mean the first question Jerry, on I am Zlatan is is he in on the jokes or does he just not care uh, I'm undecided on that I'm just not sure whether this is the authentic voice of, of Zlatan I think it just hurtles along the possibly too fast a pace on a reread, I didn't find it as interesting as the first time I read it. I must admit, I expected to go through, uh, skim through the Verona book and have to reread this a bit more thoroughly, and I found it was the other way around. I just thought it was event after event after event, and it, it wore me down a little bit in the end. It's a lot of Zlatan to deal with. There's an awful lot of Zlatan to deal with, you're quite right. He's a handful. Hey? He's a handful. <laughs> yeah, you say he portrays himself as a handful, and I if it is the authentic voice of Zlatan, then he's a handful. Yeah. It's Steve, do you think he's on his jokes? Um Yes and no. I think he's I think he's in on the artifice, whether he sees it as a joke as much I, I don't know. I think he is it's very much the, the Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It it, it it captures the authentic voice of the idea of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, if that makes any sense. Um, I mean, the fact that it's his ghostwriter, effectively, the writer of the book, is, is a novelist, um, perhaps gives you sort of a, a hint towards the idea that there is a, a, a fair degree of sleight of hand about, about that entire character. Because I suppose there has to be, because no one, he just can't exist. It can't really be, he can't really be that person, I don't think. I don't know. Maybe. I, well, I mean, you know, I will, we'll come on to specific quotes and standout things in a minute. I'm just, I'm just intrigued as to what each of you think. What do you think? Do you think he's? Um, do you think he exists? <clears throat> do you think he first? Do you think he exists? And do you think this is him? I think that he sort of he's standing outside himself, looking at it and going, "Well, this is what Zlatan thinks." But actually, that he sees him. He does. He doesn't seem to have. He seems to be missing a filter in terms of the way that he sort of talks about himself and talks about people, like he doesn't, he takes pride in the fact that he doesn't care what people think, but he does care what people think. Mm. Very, no, he very much cares what yeah. people think, yeah. I think that's the one of the key, I mean, I will go to the end first on the personality stuff. He says of Maserati, he's like me, he, oh, this is of Marco Maserati, he's like me, hatred and revenge are what gets him going. And I just don't believe that, in that I don't believe, I can very much believe that of Marco Maserati, but I don't believe that of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mm. It, it doesn't feel, it feels like lots of but, other I mean, things I mean, get him no, going. No one, no one 
really who's got that kind of I just say what I think and I'm just I don't care if you like me or not actually that's never true is it of any of those kind of characters that it is always that they really really want you to like them um, as much as they would like to like themselves um, so yeah there's kind of a there's a psych sort of psychological kind of reading that you can you can make of it but I think Jerry kind of touched on the point that it probably is just as superficial as <laughs> almost as superficial as it seems in lots of ways as well it, it just flies by it's entertaining yeah um, he's entertaining. The con the construct is entertaining, and I suppose that's kind of what you want in your footballers in the end. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's he, he is in he is in on the creation. Whether he's in on it as a joke, I don't know. It seems to take sort of um, a thing of, of going <clears throat> um, that he. His, his background has hasn't affected him, and he's sort of. I've had this very tough background, but I'm fine, and it has, and it clearly has. So it's this this version of me that's really not bothered by things, and you're like, well, you obviously are, because you keep bringing it up. Yeah, um, yeah, it is like an endless procession of it's football. If it's not football, it's a car. Um, and then it's another car, and yet another <laughs> car, yeah. and then don't disturb me. I'm on my PlayStation, even yeah. if your name is. Didier Deschamps, the PlayStation thing is just—it's just so and mundane, isn't it? You know that that's sort of your dream. But then I can sort of see living that dream of just playing on the PlayStation <laughs> all day. I'd quite—I don't know—I'd quite like to, to to I'd quite like to feel fulfilled by that, I suppose. Um, and in and in a way, there's something slightly sad about it that you can achieve literally what he achieved there, but still. You, your horizons don't really go beyond wanting to play on the PlayStation. I felt like he was imprisoned a lot of the time. Mm. When yeah. the, everything that he's talking about, it's like everywhere's a prison for him. And he's in, imprisoning himself. That's it? footballers, though. I actually yeah. think it's quite insightful in terms of... Uh, where I think it's actually insightful isn't... Is is when it doesn't think it is, and I think it's quite insightful around. Even the, the we'll come on to the Barcelona stuff in a minute, but I think it gets really interesting chronologically around the Inter Milan stuff, Jerry, where you, you very much get the feeling of sort of of what successful football teams are to a certain extent, which is hugely emotional hot houses, uh, which comes across in Inter and Barca in different ways. And one of them Zlatan understands because the Inter one, it's obvious to him. It's training ground bus stops. It's 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 lads having to be separated on fields. It's every day you're going into training, what, having to prove yourself and you're going to kick someone and you're going to make a point. And they're the men. They're the men. They're the manly men. And that one makes complete sense to him. And Barca doesn't. And and that that that's everywhere in the book really that this thing makes absolute sense and this thing is like it it's almost like he walked into he walked into like a Truman Show reality of something that was set up for him to fail and it's a really interesting thing that he's just he, he can completely understand how this training ground works and he could never understand how this one works at all. Yeah, yeah I think it, at, at Inter as well. He, I think one of the first thing he comments on is the, is, is the cliques in the dressing room which he tries which he tries to break down. There's the Brazilians there, the Argentinians there totally unhappy with this he sort of rails against that um, and you can see why it wouldn't work at Barcelona um, you can see why it wouldn't work at Barcelona because that, that that's almost like an inbred village if you like in Milan is you, know, you imagine it to be rather rather more cosmopolitan but yeah if there's one thing that he does get off on it's the needle um, no question about it in the training ground on the pitch or or wherever it's what he wants to you, and I think yeah. that, I think this is quite a. I think this is where I where I like the book is is probably in the bits where where, where I think it's, I 
where I think it really grabs your attention is sort of imagining how this has got to work. And like, I think he's, he is actually giving you an insight into these teams, into, into what's made them fire, what's made them function. And as I say, I think that when it, and when, why that's interesting is it, it's sort of, whilst the artifice is still there to a certain extent, it's moved away from the focus of that artifice and instead becomes, this is, these are things that were happening and how I was relating to them and how X is so much easier for me to relate to than Y. Yeah, and the Barcelona issue fundamentally perhaps is that he wasn't I won't say not good enough but he just wasn't he wasn't the right fit as a footballer and then everything else kind of stems from that I think the thing about the whole Zlatan creation and the whole thing that perhaps he would be if you looked at that at him as a 20 year old with that kind of ego you would not expect him to be playing at 35 36 at the very very top level and to be honest He's changed as a player. He's he's more just it, you know his size is kind of a, such a big asset now. Seems to go in lots of headed goals and stuff, but he doesn't look massively like he's slowing down. Um, so you, there is obviously a huge amount of work that's gone in there. Huge amount of you touched on training ground. You know a lot of training, and there is there's a fair amount of training in this, um, in the book, and probably talked about more more than it is in you know in other in other players' books and yeah. talk more about about the matches. And also, I suppose you know he's he's been in sort of team. Just he's a serial title winner and he's you know he's won one leagues in every team he's virtually every team he's played in um and that suggests that he's much more of a conventional footballer in lots of ways um because there's lots of iconoclasts and players who have you know gone out of their way to be difficult and to I guess that's the thing with Barcelona as well is that perhaps you know it is the exception and I think at the time it became the this big sort of testing ground for you know is Ibrahimovic good enough or does he have the, the right attitude and stuff like that and I suppose he'd hold up all of the rest of his career to suggest that he is and he did. Well, that, well I think that's the major thing. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, this Barcelona doesn't think, thing doesn't seem to work for him. And in there, you know, you can ask, well, is it sort of self-justifying? But it's like in his head, there's, there, there's, he, he seems to be, and it's interesting now sort of looking back and with the situation in Manchester, that I think a lot of, I think obviously the Real Madrid and Barcelona thing, but it is as though for Zlatan, there's two types of football managers and there's Mourinho and there's Guardiola. And Mourinho's great and Guardiola's this this weird fellow whose masculinity gets called into account consistently through this process. And it takes no sort of... Um... No, no time to he's straight away. I don't like him, and and everything that Guardiola says to him is is needle. Everything that Guardiola is saying to him is something that's massively an affront to him, and that he sees it as a massive question of who he is and how he <clears throat> sort of behaves as a footballer. And he thinks he's gone back to being the kid from the poor area who wants a fast car and sets off firecrackers and stuff like that. When when he's with Guardiola, and Guardiola's like his bad school teacher, or like he's disappointed school teacher and that's what he doesn't seem to be able to to put up with it you know if someone was shouting in his face he could put up with that but when it's somebody who's like mm. a bit more measured he doesn't seem to be able to to handle that situation because i think Mourinho doesn't isn't indulgent i think the, the sense is that Mourinho does and you know he places such a premium on premium on masculinity um he sees the way Mourinho would address those things as being the right way um you know and, and perhaps fronting up to him immediately over over things that... that it seems as like. well with Mourinho, when Mourinho develops the relationship with the players, it's very much focused on the psychology of that relationship. So Mourinho gets gets to know, you know who your family are and what makes you tick. And, and that's because he doesn't have a football background. He's always trying to prove his masculinity in other ways. Mm. Sort of, he didn't, he didn't prove it on the pitch. So it seems to be that the way he behaves with uh, uh, Ibrahimovic and with other players. 
Uh, I thought it was a really interesting insight into Mourinho, actually, the, the stuff that Ibrahimovic said. It is, isn't it? I mean, that, that, again, it's 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 starting the books called I am Zlatan, but actually the most interesting things about it are about other people, Jerry. I think that's the thing. It, the most interesting. It's interesting how Guardiola tries to deal with them and almost has this attitude of these are our cultures. This is what we do. You're just going to fall in line with this, and if you don't, I'm just going to get rid of you. And and it's almost like Zlatan can't deal with that. He'd rather Guardiola was screaming at him about the cultures, about what he shouldn't be doing, and instead Guardiola's just got the attitude. You can the the one where he describes Guardiola as completely impassive, and if he just screamed and shouted, he'd have had a lot more respect for him. You know that Guardiola's just sitting there thinking, I'm just going to sell you with the earliest opportunity, mate. This is finished now. I'm just going to go to the board tomorrow and I'm just going to sell you. And I can't even be bothered to scream and shout at you. I don't see what the point is. Yeah, it, it, it's important to remember, though, that this is, this, this is one side of the story. Oh, no, Pep, very much Pep, so. Pep may well have a different, have a different version of this. But, um, yeah, there's no question that if anybody's fronting up to him, he's more happy with anybody fronting up to him, dressing ground, bust up. We'll have a we'll yeah, because his agent's horrible to him, and he seems delighted by it. Oh, uh, yes, the dreaded Mino Raiola. Yeah, um, he's absolutely absolutely made up with uh, yeah. Mino's um, performance generally. Although, again, going back to a, a niggle I have with other books, there's a lot there's a lot here that's actually given in quotes. Even when even when it's a meeting between, say, Moji and Raiola, there's whole sections that are given in quotes that make me rather uneasy. You know, this isn't. Um, this has nothing to do with him in a way. Mm. I don't see. I don't see how you can use accu- allegedly accurate reporting of meetings at which he's not present. But going going back to that, him and Guardiola, I don't think we're ever going to be a fit. I just I, I just don't see it. But you know. As I say, it's it's his side of the story. And it is. I don't uh, think we know the other side. But I actually think. I think what I think is interesting though is I think Slatan thinks that. That Guardiola, that his depiction of Guardiola or Slatan and, and who he's working with on the book, I think his depiction of Guardiola is we're going to come out to it and think less of Guardiola. I actually think more of Guardiola in a sense. Like the very fact that if this is one of the reasons why I'm almost happy to accept it as 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 let's say it's accurate. I'm happy to almost go down that path because it isn't as though I'm reading that and thinking, oh, I don't like this Pep Guardiola character. I actually think yeah, Guardiola's got this broadly spot on. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's it, it, the the thing it reminded me of. I don't I don't read a lot of footballers. Biographies, autobiographies. Um, you know, maybe maybe it is more common to have one of these where you know there is kind of a not a hatchet job, but a but a clear conflict between um, a player and manager. The one it reminds me of is, is the Fowler book um, written with David Maddock, in which you know Jared Ullier is you know is completely taken apart, really. You know, and and again from that you you because you just think so much of this is understandable but unfair. And, and fairness isn't really an issue in football, and it's perfectly fine that Robbie Fowler, you know, felt the way he does, and that uh, Zlatan which feels the way he does. But it is, um, it is fundamentally such a one-sided account. But then, you know, it's called I am Zlatan yeah. so you know, it's. I think they're setting their stall out. You know, Fowler's book is called Fowler. You know, and uh, and those people, those people in those positions, have their opportunity to put their own, their own case. Okay, uh, so we all mildly like it, but think it's a little bit lightweight. I think that's fair to say. Uh, we'll move on to the, the the squires. Jerry's got it, which I'm really pleased yeah, he brought it. Well. Oh, and Anna's got it as well. I'm really pleased people brought it because I've got it. I I got it as an as a, as a Kindle thing, so I've got it on my phone, but it's much easier. Better one to have like a, a paper. Version. Very much so. No, it's brilliant. I mean, I would really wish I got it as a paper version, but I just got it as a Kindle because I wanted to read it and, and rattle through it uh, when we were prepping for it. So it's the illustrated history of football by David Squires, uh, as seen in the Guardian. Though a lot of this is obviously completely new and in fact he makes that quite clear at the start because it's probably my favourite introduction to any book ever in that his last line is marvellous his last line is this I hope you enjoy it it took me ages Uh, which is um, you know exactly it feels practically perfect for everything Jerry and it's so much fun
It's huge fun, and as you've as you've uh, mentioned the introduction, um, it, it's worth saying that the it, it is hilarious the introduction, uh, and there's a wonderful piece in it where he goes on about you know so much wrong with the world. You listen to the news, you watch the news, and it's just horror after horror. But at least you know at the end of it there's going to be the football results, and and he says and the, it's ameliorated by the knowledge of the football results at the end. Familiar team names release soothing endomorphins in the brain of all football fans, and then a beat, except lead supporters. <laughs> <laughs> all the way through, it's it's full of just lovely, there's the, there's the alternative reality with Jeff Hurst, which is a bit of a big one. But for instance, the birth of Jose Mourinho, again, it's funny. It's, uh, you know, the idea that he'd do something around the birth of Jose Mourinho with follow that star. You always knew I was special, says Jose, sitting in a chair by a f fireplace. And I mean, you, my, my, almost my worry with talking about it is you just end listing the bits that you like. Yeah. The way in which he writes is, the introductions is wonderful and you love him and it's fun and it's, yeah, I'm very pro this. I think one of the things that I thought with it was, because um, I was looking at it present-minded and thinking of people who, perhaps the stuff about the beginning bits about um, learning about football, <clears throat> you would have to know about it to know that he was being satirical. Some of the aspects of it, you'd be sort of, the things to do with um, FIFA and, and the sort of corruption and things, you'd have to already know that stuff and it's just a different take on it. Um, but that, that aside, I was, I was saying that I thought it would be the one that would be the easiest to read. But actually, I think I didn't have enough time to take in because there's so many different stories and so many, so detailed. And you've got the little sort of few paragraphs talking about it and then the obviously the art is the big thing. And and you sort of, oh, that's there's something to somebody. Who's that person and what are they saying and how do I recognise them? And that's, yeah. I... I wasn't massively looking forward to reading it because I don't really like his Guardian work. Um, I don't like his topical stuff, um, and I liked this a lot more. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funnier and more sort of open-hearted and more. And I think the problem with it likes football a lot more. It likes football yeah. a lot more. There's um, there's a book out for Christmas um, by a. Um, it's connected to it to a, a long long-running football podcast, um, and the the. Um, the so the subhead to it is um, for men t talking about the, how much they hate the game they love, and I, I I really dislike that. I dislike the idea that you've got to to sort of be negative about football and the kind of so much of what he does for the Guardian is kind of based around the FA and FIFA and all that, all that kind of stuff, and I, probably because I just don't care that much. Um, I, I mean, broadly speaking, I'd rather FIFA weren't corrupt, but it's not the thing that motivates me to to follow football. Um, and I think the the idea of just sort of wide-eyed um, love for the game comes through a lot more in in this than in his his more topical work, which is understandable because you know if you're doing topical stuff about well, there are lots of things wrong with football, I get it. Um, I just yeah, football's my form of escapism, which is exactly what he kind of writes in that in that um, in that introduction. Um, that said, that, sorry. The, no, the one thing that just comes across throughout is that is that football is funny. It, it's fun and funny and you can't say it gives the lie to the famous Shankly quote because the famous Shankly quote is always misquoted really yeah. because he was he was having a laugh really and we know he thought things were funny um, and it's hello the lights have gone out just go outside <laughs> it'll be fine um, tell a ghost story Jerry there we go go on keep going right 
Um, that might like happen that. again, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just push on. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny, and yet it, it, I think one of, the, one of the best moments in the book, we're, all, we're, all, we're going to pick out bits here, aren't we? One of the best moments in the book is the chapter It's All Up For Grabs, which deals with the final game of the 1988-89 season when Liverpool fresh and winning the, the cup final, play Arsenal in the final game. And his, his, words, his, his final words in that, when Liverpool have lost, were, they, we didn't riot, we didn't leave the ground, we didn't boo, we, we applauded the new champions and our own brave team, because after all, it's only football. And I, I thought that was, that was one of the most perfect things in the book. Completely, completely, all the way through. And I think it's interesting that the difference between I think it's, I'm glad Steve sort of raised it really in terms of the difference between Jerry the that a lot of the stuff that goes it feels as though a lot of stuff that sort of goes around this 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 general football discourse is is that you've got to find the thing that you're not happy about and then talk about that loads. Yeah. And that's and, and he is doing the complete opposite in, for much of the book. Most of the book is that it it is reminding you that it is only football and it's a fun, and it's fun. And I think it is it's sad that that sort of that's become the, the the way in which so much of 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 a strain of alternative football media or what's mm. deemed to be alternative football media has gone. That it's gone down the path of well, let's let, let, let's put our cynicism front and center and worry about all the bits later. Yeah. And things and things that you should automatically hate. Like again, one of the best things in it is the Battle of Santiago, Chile, nineteen sixty-two, where David Coleman stands in front of camera introducing the highlights and says, this is the worst thing you're ever going to see, when in fact you watch it and it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> you know, Italy and Chile literally kicking and punching lumps out of each other. This is funny. Yeah. I, I thought there's some quite a lot of poignancy as well in it. As well. It deals well with the sort of difficult side of football, things like Andres Escobar's yeah. shooting and, yeah. um, <clears throat> and Gaza. Both of those I thought were quite sensitively handled, actually, the way he... He wrote about those because I was. When you're looking at the history of football, you actually, you know, he's certainly not shied away mm. from from the difficult side of things. But um, they they were sort of really poignantly written. I like the the Man City title winning <laughs> 2012, isn't it? With the, when it sort of cuts from Sunderland to to City, and I just like the Ferguson looking at the fencing video. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, no. Um, there's, there's lots and there's lots of like little running jokes in it that kind of work, um, you know, from from sort of strip to strip. So, yeah, I really, yeah. really like Eric, it. Eric Cantona chapters uh, is good. The um, and he, le- he le- leapt o- leapt over and administered the kung fu kick to the foul mouthed fella in the bad coat. No, not that one. <laughs> Picture of Ferguson. Well, yeah, but I, I like I, one of my favorites. I just found it been flicking through. Is something that genuinely gets my goat massively at the moment. The war to end all wars. Uh, Messi versus Ronaldo. The early part of the twentieth century, he writes, has been character- characterized by a bitter conflict between two ideologically opposed belief systems. <laughs> people who like Leo versus people who like Ronnie. Everyone has been forced to pick a side in the ongoing war of attrition between two footballers who actually seem to get on perfectly well. <laughs> and there is this, and it's really, really good. And it's sort of again this, this, this weird thing that you've got to have picked a side in the 
the Ronaldo sort yeah. of messy thing and everyone's absolutely determined that their side's right and picking up that sort of stuff but you're right to mention for instance the the Anders Escobar stuff which is where he takes the quotes from the column um, there's the uh, the which was the one I like the Junta's World Cup I like that one I'm flicking through as quickly yeah. as I can that one was really really good uh, I just loved I loved the birth of Total Football uh, where it's uh, this, about the about Amsterdam experiencing significant social change in the 1960s this new climate of experimentation and long hair was epitomised by the Ajax side of the early 70s it's just full of lovely little jokes I, the extent to which we're doing this before Christmas and I just sort of think you should buy it for everybody yeah buy it for everybody yeah. I, I think the Liverpool Wimbledon final is worth a mention as well I think that's my oh, the little Dennis Wise <laughs> <laughs> the little Dennis Wise, but the, but the, you know, the Gillespie and Spackman yeah. both being Do you recognise that, yeah. And Ronnie Moran holding up a picture. How many future TV pundits do you see in this photo? All, All of them. <laughs> this is, I mean, the, 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 the shame is that the people who need to listen to this programme are like the, the sort of mums and aunties of this world who. My, my mum would buy me like Ricky Tomlinson's Football My Ass, for example. <laughs> yeah. She bought me that when I was 18, then that would have, I would have had a much better time. It would have been the same general idea. So it would have been, but they will always get that wrong, unfortunately. It's one of life's truisms. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to find a plan for that, it's Steve. It's a I think yeah. you, maybe, maybe you need to push it through some sort of local newspaper. Possibly. Yeah, let's, uh, let, let's I just... Don't, yeah. I don't know how many shopping days there'll be before Christmas when this show goes out. It's, it's coming out tomorrow, Jerry. It's going for out once. Tomorrow. Well, if anybody's listening, there's still time to buy this. As a, it's a perfect present. There is, there is still time to buy it. The Illustrated History of Football by David Squires. It is wonderful and lovely and looks nice even on the cover. Uh, and it's colourful, uh, which is a thing as well. Uh, and there's lots of pictures. So if you're not, if you're not necessarily convinced... Uh, uh, then you can, you can sort out pictures. Uh, our last one is Tim Parks's A Season with Verona, uh, which I think Tim did in 2002. Is that right? The book came out in 2002. Jerry, this... Um, I think you've all got quite different views on this, which I'm quite excited about. Uh, so try, let's try and keep it civil. Uh, the best <laughs> trick in the book is that it makes you care about Verona. I think that is... If there's something that Tim Parks is doing very, very well, you care about Verona. Yeah, you'll know from the last uh, text backwards and forwards in the last week or so that I've taken to following them. Again. Um, again, <laughs> yes. When I first read this, when it first came out, I, I didn't have a very clear memory of it coming back to it, and I thought, this is the one I'm going to skim. Um, and I found I read and devoured every word of it because I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, it takes you into a very strange world, up and down, every every conceivable part of Italy with discourses on politics, corruption in both politics and football, names of saints. Um, it's a huge cast of characters. It's a huge cast of characters, yeah. And, well, just, you know, for a start, I, I just found it immensely enjoyable. Um, Anna? I thought that the, the, the areas where it was best was where things like looking a little bit at anthropology and... Um, the the sort of football religion thing that we've we've talked about before, but the idea of kind of why people follow, um, sort of want to be part of a sport and want to feel part of something. I thought he did that very well. I really didn't enjoy the book. Why not? Uh, well, one of the key things for me that was a massive issue was the way women were dealt with all the way through. It was a huge problem. Um, I know it was only fourteen years, and the, but the the difference in how I think the way he talks will be perceived now is phenomenal. Uh, that was one of my issues. The, particularly, there's a bit where they're on a train and they're harassing a woman. Uh, the, the Verona fans are harassing this woman. 
and and he's all the way through. I have problems with what his role is as is he is he a narrator? Is he an anthropologist? Is he a, is he just um, sort of using it to, to the? But what what's his relationship so to these people? Let me just I'll, I'll come back to you. I just want to give that I want to give the audience a, a hit. basically what he does is he goes Tim Parks goes and follows home and away Verona and he goes through lots of different bits of Verona and following home and away but one of the key parts is he's, is that he's going with with, with with a section of the support that's one of the key parts of it isn't it? and he goes with a specific section of the support and they're like ultras they're, they're like ultras uh, they're, they're like ultra ultras uh, and they don't come across like particularly nice people and but there is this thing which is that he's part of them but he's sort of not and you, you can't quite I, 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 I think it's quite interesting you can't quite pin down exactly what he's, it's a bit. It's almost a little bit. Uh, sort he, of, go on. he recognizes that what they're saying is socially unacceptable, but what he never does is challenge it. So he's and his son's saying, "I can't go to these again. They're going to be racist." And he's like, "Yeah, they probably are." But you never see him challenge the way, and and it makes it's really frustrating because he he clearly seems to you know he doesn't seem to agree with them, but you want somebody to to not accept that and when and when they're talking to the girl and he's just watching them and they're harassing her on the train and he's going and then this happened and then this happened what's the what what are you doing that why are you doing this you get angry for his inaction i think very much i did anyway well he, but he's, he goes oh, i'll go back to you jerry before i bring Stephen. for instance and he i can't work out to maybe whether it's indulgence the way in which he does what anna's saying or whether or not he's actually talking about something in himself which is quite brave and i can't quite work out where that line is because i've just found one of them here uh this brusque reminder of a story everyone in verona knows is followed by a chanted couplet and he i'm not going to try and do the italian and shovel 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 we've dug up, dug up another scrubber actually slav woman and he goes on to say yes this is truly awful Cleaning my teeth in front of a cracked mirror shortly before turning on the TV and finding uh, Louise Mascala's sanctimonious face. I'm determined to understand why I actually enjoy these and other songs so much. Mm. And that that's what he's doing. And that's quite a... I think that's maybe what made me the most uncomfortable, perhaps, when, when you put it back like that, is that he doesn't, he doesn't sort of um, immediately condemn it. Yeah, it, there, there is not a word of condemnation about either the... Um Misogyny or the racism. The misogyny or the, or the racism throughout. It, it, you know, he's, he's most definitely sort of sucked into this world on which, which he just really basically narrates. He, there's no attempt to challenge it. I absolutely agree with that. I think he's just saying, this is, this is what it's like and this is, this is what I see. Um, and I'm not particularly going to pass any, any comment on it or challenge it. This is, this is the way it is. And it's, it is at times fairly horrific, um, no question about that. But at the same time, I found it strangely admirable. Steve? I would sort of buy the idea that he is just doing reportage and that's what it is. And if you were to interview, it's like nature it. filmmakers yeah. intervening in a fight between a lion and a gazette, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Um, if there weren't the digressions where it feels like I touched on books that my mum has previously bought me um, she seems to think that I'd like to read the, the opinions of Jeremy Clarkson um, <laughs> you know in books called you couldn't bloody make it up or whatever they're called um, and at times there's bits like that you know he kind of railing against political correctness and oh you can't even say this nowadays and that I think kind of because he's I, an academic he's like he takes delight in, in being able to to be in a really unpolitically correct environment, perhaps because his work is is yeah. an environment where he has to behave in a certain way. And there's a, in in some ways, it's kind of a period piece, I suppose, from a 
from a time when all of these things didn't feel a lot more real than they feel, and that this didn't feel like a tiny little piece of grazing in the world that that's, uh, that people have kind of prospered from now. Um, and maybe that just made me feel more uncomfortable yeah. anyway. But there's just bits like, yeah, there is the stuff around the racism. And, you know, when he describes Edgar Davids as, as in Milan's black Dutchman, it's like, yeah, OK, he's just a Dutchman, isn't he? Mm. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't... Uh, that There was no purpose to that description other than literally that's how he chose to describe him. Um, there's, there's, also, there's, there's also some... I mean, I'm also sceptical of his interest in football, broad, more broadly speaking, beyond Verona. Um, there's a couple of bits in which he sort of he says that you know I'm not I'm not interested in watching I think it was a La Liga, La Liga game Valencia I'm not interested in watching that you know my, my, my your interest in football can only stretch so far and there's a lot of people who are like that and that is fine but there's also some you know Vieira's described um, Patrick Vieira's described as a striker in the book um, Rui Costa is described as one of the fastest strikers in the world well he isn't he wasn't you know I I know that and that to that sense the the bits that I in, the stuff that I enjoyed was hearing the names of of players from around that period who. Oddo. Sort of me at the age of 18, um, you know, it, it was sort of faintly nostalgic for what's already 16 years ago. Um, so I enjoyed some of that and I enjoyed some of, you know, I enjoyed some of the accounts of the matches and following, you know, as it went along and genuinely wanting them to, to win games. Um, but I was, I, I just thought it was really problematic, him as a, as a narrator. Yeah, and I think the stuff that you say about sort of how things are at the moment, I think when you struggling with people not challenging a specific narrative in the sort of how the public eye is at the moment, then I think that's probably why I was frustrated with him. It's almost sort of you're, you're making, by, by giving these people sort of um, a sympathetic portrayal, it's like putting Nigel Farage on question time. It's the same sort of idea that, that you're legitimising. Well, I mean, I think that. Nigel Farage should be on question time, but he should be questioned. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's like, you, you know, if you choose to put, like, the Daily Politics did Calvin McKenzie today on, on the TV, you question what he says rather than you just allow him to, to speak. Um, to and, have enough uh, And for the, these things to go unchallenged. Um, yeah, but which, you know... but. but it's probably we're probably pinning an awful lot on Tim Parks. That he's, <laughs> he's, oh, yes. he's slightly unfair. I, yeah, he maybe didn't I, foresee that. But um, I think the yeah, I, I found it difficult from that point of view, and particularly when you're dealing with Italy, which is a pro, which is a, a culture and a culture that he's been immersed in for such a long time, I suppose as well. That that also has its you know has its problems and contradictions around issues of race and identity. Jerry. Um, well, just going away from like maybe the politics and onto the football. Do, mm. do we not think he cap he captures the the essence of of following a, a team rather well? That it the fact that these supporters who are mm. I think he says at one point who are born in the shadow of the Bentegodi Stadium have greater investment than the dreaded Pastorello who actually owns the club because he's like an itinerant owner. Um, I think. I think he does do that well, and I think one. But one of the things I think he puts over really well, and I couldn't. I was trying to get to grips with it when I was reading it. Is the haves and the haves not have nots mm -hmm. throughout this? I think he. I think he really does depict that well, and I can't work out whether or not it. Do, if it, it doesn't feel as stark now in English football's top flight. But I was thinking about when I was going to, for instance, Derby County away in two thousand and one. So I think Derby County away in two thousand and one. I think Derby go down that season, but they've just built Pride Park, and Derby's Derby. And it's quite a nice place. 
if you know what I mean. And it doesn't feel that that sort of it doesn't feel like there's the real like. And maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe it's because I'm going there as a Liverpool supporter, and I obviously don't get to see those cracks and see that sort of that that, that sort of stuff. But I don't. I, I think that there is quite what he puts over really really well is that in Italian football there really is this stark difference between. The, the clubs that whose, whose names just roll off the tongue and everyone else that it, it really does feel like that there really is just an everyone else but this is what it's like to be one of the everyone else I think he does that really well I think he does that really well and also the fact that there's just a general acceptance I think that um, football in Italy then as was subsequently proved and that comes into this Latin book was absolutely corrupt um, and that's that's just stated as a fact. Referees are got are got at, or at the very least, selected preferentially. This is just it's just stated as well. Everybody knows this. This is the way it works. And in fact, you get Moji at one point ringing up to find out how they go going on at half time and says, um, "Well, we've had two players sent off. Only two. I asked for more." Um, that sort of thing is just is just taken as taken as read. And the other interesting thing I think is that. These fellows are supporting Verona, but they actually hate most <laughs> most of the players. Yeah, it, it's not like you know, don't say a word about a a word against any of our players as long as they're wearing their shirts. Some of these fellows are frauds, you know, and they're no, you know they're known to they're known to be frauds. Apart from Martin Larson, of course, later Villa legend. <laughs> the, the books um, always all the way through. I was sort of thinking of another book that we didn't actually end up doing for the. For the podcast, but the miracle of Castel di Sangro and the Might sort of, one. Um, mid fifties um, white writer, journalist, academic who is it kind of yeah it, it felt like a travel book and it felt like a sort of um, it's telling a, a story that he's invested in it but he's not he doesn't live and die with the team because he can see himself outside of that and um, and I kind of felt like I was being lectured to. I think, I think it suffered in comparison with the Miracle of Castel de Sangro for me. Um, but I would say that anyone who enjoyed this book or that book well, yeah, should, should sort of read. That you yeah. should probably read them both um, because they are they are you know quite similar. Well, that had more um, of a story as well. Well, I mean, yeah, um, I don't want to ruin anything on Castel, yeah, Miracle of Castel de yeah. Sangro. I quite, quite like two. There are two remarkable st- points of sort of drama that, that develop in in the Miracle of Castel de Sangro, which which kind of. You know, while Verona's season is very dramatic, aren't quite matched in yeah. this. Um, I just felt that Joe McGuinness, who sadly died, I think last year, um, he, the way he wrote, it, the way he he wrote about it, conveyed a kind of maybe a slightly purer passion for um, for what he was doing than the occasional sort of cynicism that I find in the Parks book. Yeah. Uh, the other part. are cynical, though, aren't they? You know, the. the um the ultras themselves are cynical. Like one of the highlights there is something we probably all recognise. They take a lead in about the second minute of a game, and everybody shout. Rather than being delighted, they all shout too soon. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we've, well, I think, now, we've I mean, now got to administer the one 0 lead. Verona <laughs> are interesting because they've won the league in fairly recent memory in this in this um, book. You know, they're not they're not the complete minnows that Castel di Sangro are in, in the other book. Castel di Sangro are. It's, it's unbelievable that they are where they are, whereas Verona are kind of flitting between um, mid-table Serie A and, and Serie B. You know, that's kind of their, their station and then having won the league they, 15 they, years previously. They won the league in 84-85, yeah. which was the, the first time, I think, first and only time that the referees were selected by lot throughout the whole season. Mm. And uh, that was 
you know, cut off in its prime. Away. <laughs> um, on the just sort of on the, the the other part where I think, and again, I think he puts this over well, Jerry. I like the, the when he, when he says it, he actually his subtitle travels around Italy in search of illusion, national character, and goals. One of the things I like on in terms of the travels around Italy thing is again one of the things he puts over, and maybe it's just through his own experience. It's putting over the idea that one of the reasons why, or a reason why you grow to follow a football team is because it takes you to places. And when you go to places, you go to places that you wouldn't necessarily have been to before, that you're not necessarily going to go to since. I, I say this on a lot of shows at the minute that I haven't been to Bristol. And that I'm highly unlikely to go to Bristol until Bristol City or Bristol <laughs> Rovers get promoted. And I really hope they do because I'm desperate to go to Bristol. But apart from that, it's very difficult for me to justify a weekend. And he's using there, and I, but I like the fact that he uses this within the book because you, you that's how he's telling you the story. He's letting you know what's going on. That's how that's working. And I think that works well. Yeah, that does that does work well, and and in fact he got he has to go to Sicily at one point, doesn't he? Because um, somebody's not allowed. I forget who it is. Somebody's not allowed. Their grounds being closed, and so that's the only time. That's another interesting point. That's the only time he actually gags in with the team, and he doesn't enjoy it as much as travelling with the ultras, um, which was. Yeah. When which it goes, okay. Tim Parks, a season with Verona, split opinion, but it's always nice when that sort of thing happens. Uh, yes, uh, I think it's yes. We'll, uh, we'll, 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 I would certainly recommend reading it. I think if you're, if you're someone who's reading football books, I would certainly recommend reading Tim Parks, a season with Verona. Uh, I like the taste of Italy, but it made me want to go and eat the food. Uh, to be honest with you, that was one of the. If you're looking for a criticism of the book, it made me hungry. Uh, and that I was thinking of all the fabulous teas that could be could be going on. Uh, but that's the way I like my travel writing anyway. On the whole. Uh, Right, okay, so we've covered the three books there. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh, thank you very much to Steve, uh, to Anna and to Jerry, and to Sean for producing. Um, it's been well read. That was an Anfield Rap player show behind the paywall normally, but this week is past the Christmas hamper. We just wanted to give it to you, let you listen, see what we're about. Hopefully you enjoyed it hugely. There'll be more of them to come. Sports Social Podcast Network.